questioning marks what is going on it is a milestone episode yes that is right it is episode number 10 what's up questioning marks adam and jared how you guys doing awesome today can't wait to uh talk about AEW, the clowns and uh wwe the greatest show on on earth and i'm gonna say this 10 is better than the 10 from dark order so <laughs> oh yeah adam that's definitely right so what's going on, everybody? You know, we got a jam-packed week right now. It's the road to WrestleMania. We got um, AEW Dynamite on. You know, uh, we have a little bit of uh, Ring of Honor and New Japan news coming with, to you today as well. So uh, I think we're going to start off with a little bit of uh, AEW Dynamite action. I kind of just want to jump into something here that I've been dying to talk about. And uh, it's a match that I felt that I just wanted that I, I think Adam and I also uh very much felt it was was an amazing match and it's it's it, it was a match that no other promotion is able to even come close to putting on and i'm even talking about the spectacle wwe and i'm talking about the women's match with dr Britt baker maki ito and nyla rose and uh hikaru shida and thunder rosa and ryu mizunami not jared this match was better than any woman's match I've ever seen in WWE. Dude, I mean, I, 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 I can't believe what I'm hearing right now. Are, are you serious? I am. I think Mikio Ethan is, is the best woman's wrestler Maki ever. Ito. Maki Ito is the First best woman's wrestler First I've off. ever seen in my life. First off, I the can't think of... Coming down the ring, the way she does that... Beautiful headbutt drop. I mean, Adam was 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 gushing over that move. It was just uh, first off that match. Are we talking about the match where she, uh, there was singing and dancing going yeah. on on top of the stage at the beginning? Oh yeah, it was okay. American Idol on Dynamite. I mean, okay. you had Vicky me choking out Sheeta with a kendo stick while someone was singing on stage. It was just I I, I mean WWE. Couldn't even come I close do, to putting on a spectacle like this. I do, I do like Vicky Guerrero, but now I know you guys are joking. But uh, damn it, this this, <laughs> this was uh, this was so fucking horrible. I don't even know what I was watching. Um, with the singing and the dancing, all I could think of, you know, without bashing that, is that they're trying to do like a Oscar spinoff. Maybe I, I really don't know, but <laughs> I, I mean, this is what I'm talking about. Like, how can how can they be serious with this? How can they think this is a good idea to go out there and think this is going to help improve their women's division? Nobody cares about all these <laughs> Japanese wrestlers. Um, it's okay when you sprinkle a few of them in there like Oscar or whatever, but I mean, this is fucking horrible week in week out. And I actually like, I actually like Britt Baker and Nyla Rose and the Vicky Guerrero whole thing. But um, other than those two, I mean, they're really, really starved of talent and, I just don't see how they're even comparable to impact at this point. We were trying to pull one over on you. I mean, during the match, and I can't sell a rib, but we're trying. <laughs> you, you, had, you had me for about 30, 40 seconds. I was, uh, the smoke was coming out of my ears. <laughs> and then, all right. So then it was definitely a, a, a successful uh, little yeah, fight there, Adam. You, you guys had a few seconds of that, but um, <laughs> my God, look, how bad was that, guys? I how mean, fucking I, bad was we that? We were laughing so hard. I was cracking up to the point. I don't think Adam and I have ever laughed so hard during a, like watching a wrestling match ever just because of 
Vicky Guerrero actually choking Shida out with the kendo stick while uh, the uh, Japanese wrestler Miko uh, was uh, on stage uh, singing, <laughs> and then and then and, and then she comes in and does that crazy headbutt move where she bounces off the rope and then falls like the Leaning Tower of Pizza. And uh, I mean, how how bad how how fucking bad is this? I mean. Just, uh, WWE yeah. would never <laughs> in a million years do something like this with their women's division, which is actually booked extremely well majority of the time. And I just, this was so bad, guys. I mean, I don't even know where to start. I was like you said, I was laughing the entire time and just I couldn't wait for this exact moment, uh, you know, this morning because, I mean, it just proved my point tenfold that. They, their women's division is the worst, maybe in all of pro wrestling. Let me just, let me just say one thing, Jared. That <laughs> it's not so much trying to copy Oscar. What it actually is, and this speaks to, I think, one of the booking problems for AEW, is constantly giving the spotlight to the Japanese side of, of female wrestling. Because if you looked at a lot of the characters in their women's tournament recently for the title on the Japanese side of the bracket, it was these type of wrestlers. So it's actually that if Joshi style kind of house wrestling that they have within the, within their female, uh, the women's division. Listen, in Japan. It's, it's what's popular there for some, you know, it's kind of what sells. But we're not know. there. Exactly. Yeah. So bringing it here, it's yeah. But, but I was laughing so hard. Ribs, yeah, exactly. So all, all ribs notwithstanding, <laughs> it, I pro- I haven't laughed harder watching a wrestling program in I, I would say the past six months. So <laughs> I would say the past so, six years. I was dying. Yeah. So it was so entertaining. They gave, yeah, they gave us entertainment, so I can't hate on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, here's my thing, Adam. Thing. I don't I don't mind that um they they focus on the Japanese wrestlers. It's just there's too many of them. Okay, look what the, for example, has there been a better booked, besides Alexa Bliss, has there been a better booked woman's wrestler the last year than Asuka? Yeah, probably not. I mean, I mean, come on. So it shows you that that could work. WWE has hit an absolute grand slam with her. And but it took a while to build her up. Yeah, AEW kind of forced it on onto us, kind of like, yeah, the, uh, you know, like kind of like um, uh, just. All like, you know, like I kind of chalk it up to like how the pandemic was when the pandemic first started and they were just like, everything's closed. Blah, blah, blah. They just like dumped it right on top of us. And it was right. like, what the fuck is right. going on? It's kind of like AEW just being like, we're dumping all these uh, Japanese dresses with all this like cultural wrestling that we don't uh, necessarily are familiar with in America, un- you know, unless right. you're. Your, and they're your, not even really educating the yeah. fans. I mean, Excal- Excalibur is like jumping out of his seat because yeah. he's, you know, called Japanese women's wrestling for a while, or Japanese wrestling in general in the indies for a while. So when you hear them on the broadcast actually talking about these wrestlers, you're like, it's not, it's it's foreign to us, not only because they're foreign, but because we've never really seen this style here. So, yeah. So, I mean, that was probably the funniest uh, you know, like you said, Adam, one of the funniest things I've I've ever witnessed in wrestling in terms of just like just all out fucking insanity going on around the ring and just I picked up some dance moves, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> that's great. Um so uh, other than that, I mean AEW Dynamite had its uh moments in terms of uh you know uh seeing Kristen Cage thing coming out. We had all the stuff going on. I'm not too sure what you guys would like to jump into. Um, as we don't have to run through every single match here, but um, something that I picked out that I kind of would like to talk about, uh, uh, you know, we had Ethan Page uh, doing his debut match kind of on a dynamite versus Lee Johnson. That was pretty much a, uh, 
Defense. <laughs> Defense. So, uh, no, let me. I want to talk about this. There you go. What a horrible fucking production this is. Okay. <laughs> I'm listening. I'm listening to a basketball game in the back of this match. Oh my god. I can't hear a word. I can't hear a word he's saying. And I don't. It's just. What are they doing? <laughs> what are they doing? WWE never has a problem like this. That was a, it ever. Was, it was another moment where Adam and I were just like, "What is going on?" I'm like, at first I, I mean, feel like just, I'm in Mardi Gras. Then I was like, I couldn't tell what was going on. Then we started hearing the squeaking of the shoes on the floor, and the yeah. and then the horn went off, and I was like, "Oh wait, Adam's like, yo, it's a fucking basketball game." Like what the fuck? Shout, is going shout on? out to Matt who tweeted Tony Khan directly. Yeah, I did. I tweeted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I tweeted out to him directly. I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" I was like, "Like first I'm hearing this, then I'm hearing this." I was like, "Did I just hear Marvin Gaye?" Like, what the fuck? Here's what gets me: you want to be better than WWE, and you want to, you know, compete with them, but they don't have the issues like that go on like this. Yeah, that was fucked up. I mean, I can't. I, 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 I have to say, I don't know if that was TNT's fault or if that had anything to do with uh aw because i know tony khan did tweet out something and said you know uh, thank you tnt for you know yes uh, i saw that i saw that problem i I smell i smell a vince nxt conspiracy (laughs) yeah uh (laughs) i just i don't understand how they keep having all these mishaps and all these production issues uh if anything wwe is the standard when it comes to production in my opinion no, it definitely is. It definitely is, and and honestly, New Japan doesn't have any mess ups like this either. And their, because their these, production listen, is, these, uh, these companies know what the fuck they're doing. They've been around forever. Even Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor doesn't do stuff like this either. And and uh, you know, even during the pandemic, it's, it doesn't come close to uh, the type of shit you see. Every, like you know, everything from uh, you know, like the like one of the most fucked up production standpoints I remember was when MJF was like laying in the middle of the ring, and they tried to bring the camera from like the ceiling down to like his face he was doing a promo and they couldn't line up the camera directly on his face so it kept like going up and down up and down to the point where they were just like all right fuck it like they're like we'll just film we'll just film half his face you know what i'm you know what i'm confused about why do they have all these camera issues production issues why don't they just get like former like wwe employees that know what the fuck is going on i mean they have no problem taking former wwe uh has-beens and using them all over their show but they can't figure out, get you know, former guys who worked in WWE or even New Japan who know how to film these angles. It's just a complete show that's run by imbeciles. I mean, there should be no uh, excuses with the deep pockets that run through the cons, uh, you know. Right. I mean, listen, when AEW was first being uh, put together – and, you know, I know Matt was very excited and and he told me, like, that's the first thing, like he just said, the cons have deep pockets. And you know what? It doesn't matter who it is. The cons, Ted Turner, you just it's very hard to beat out Vince and WWE. It's just very, very hard and almost near impossible, in my opinion, which is why that year that WCW did beat them out goes down as one of the greatest years uh, a wrestling company ever had, you know, against WWE. Yeah, I mean, we could and, also. Yep, go ahead. And they, sorry, Matt. And no. they went. You gotta remember something. They went head to head with WWE's flagship show. Yeah, yeah. Then yeah, it's not like they're competing up against uh, you know Raw or SmackDown. So and, that, and now they're not going up really against anyone. So you know, right next month. Next month, uh, Impact will be in big trouble. Yeah. So we have uh, you know talking about um, 
you know, WWE and going up against Vince and, and, and the recent moves that AEW has made with bringing in guys like Paul White, who's, you know, over 40 something years old. I don't know, you know, God knows how old. And then you have Sting hitting fucking what, like 60. And then you have Sting! And you have Christian Cage, I think he was like 46 or something like and that. Now, so, and so, now we got to, and now we have to go through a storyline with Omega versus Christian Cage. I mean, Come on! Yeah, well, I they mean, booked the Cana- they booked the Canadian angle on that one. <laughs> well, again, Jericho's going to fly in soon. Again, so they're more worried about Japan and Canada than they are about this country. <laughs> I mean, f- fits right in. Yeah, pretty much. But uh, it, it there's there's uh, you know once again Christian comes out. Do we hear him talk at all? Uh, no. Again, no. So uh, we see him go for his finisher up against uh, Omega. It was a horrible segment. Uh, again, nothing. Uh, you know, like oh, like oh, like you know, Callus and, and them coming out trying to explain, uh, you know, their mishaps for the botched explosions and everything like that. It was you just know, that uh, was. These cover up stories are so friggin' bad. And yeah. let me tell you something. As much as I I, I praise Moxley and uh, Kingston for their good promos, their promo was awful too. Yeah, I mean, I I just felt that, uh, and 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 I'm gonna let Adam jump in right after this. Is just, uh, you know, it, it was just a weird angle to in in terms of them like now putting it on Eddie Kingston, being like, oh, we made you look like a fucking fool because you were covering, you know, Moxley while there was pretty much sparklers going off in the ring, and, right. and you know, yeah, and and instead of and instead of uh, instead of just like forgetting about it almost they're they're like you know carrying this on yeah it's crazy adam like i know you had some uh reactions about this segment for sure yeah i mean well just real quick back to moxley and kingston i don't think it was a horrible promo but i don't think it was great the the thing that stuck out to me is i feel like they have an interesting storyline because they're history together and that would make for an interesting dynamic if they were actually tagged up together down the road yeah uh you know because you know when Moxley competed against Kingston, well, when Kingston went up against Moxley to try and win the belt, they had that whole history that they talked about where they've been together up and down the roads through the Indies. You know, Moxley was the successful one. Kingston was the kind of struggling out of work, sometimes working wrestler. And now, you know, he comes to save, try to save the day and we see what happens. And, you know, here they are paired up together. They tried to, you know, they try to cover up, like Jared said, it d- didn't really go over. But again, I, I think that they could have something. I, and I'll say one more thing about Kingston. His story itself, dealing with depression, uh, you know, being in and out of work on the indie scene, and some of the things he's talked about in promos that I've seen in, say, I think, you know, whether he was in progress or elsewhere. I wish that he would bring that level of sincerity here because I've we've seen him cut a couple of promos where where you see that in AEW. I think he needs to to be more of himself, and then he would be awesome. Yeah, I agree. I I think they got to change the ring attire that he wears and and let him kind of come out in that in that New York, like he says, living in that 1998 uh, fashion era. But uh, I do agree. I, I I didn't mind the Moxley. Um, Kingston promo aspect of it. I, I just didn't like the uh, Omega uh, Callus kind of promo in the ring, but it is what it is. And we'll see where uh, this goes from here, but it was kind of just also being force fed this like storyline now of Christian and, and Omega. It's like, 
where does it come from? Let's let's know? just let's just analyze one more thing real quick, and I'd love to hear Jared's take on this. Kind of going back of the book into history again. With with uh, I'm going to make an ECW connection here. Obviously, they had to explain what happened in some way. They either had to cover it up, make light of it, which ultimately they did. But they have to respond in some way. They can't just ignore it on the show. Now, in the old ECW days, when a wrestler got injured, when there was a move that went wrong or a spot that went bad, Heyman would come out. And, you know, as many people have said, I think Dreamer said this, you know, he would he always lied to the wrestler or he often lied to the wrestlers, but never to the fans. And he would come out and say, you know, Sabu hurt his neck. He's out. You know, this happened. This guy's out. They they didn't bullshit. They were honest with the fans. I wonder, like, here, if they actually could have said, you know, we fucked up, but we're going to make it better next time. Could they have gone down that road? Next time. Route? There might be a next time. Well, what do you think they could have done? Like, I'm just curious, like, how do you, how would you have booked it if you were in this position? The fuck up already happened. You can't change the past. What do you I, do going I, uh, Honestly, Adam, I would have maybe addressed it once or twice from each side and then, you know, you know, wrapped up with it and like, you know, I'm not going to wear that t-shirt that, that we're in. And it's just, I, I, I would have probably just like, uh, never talked about it again. What, what, what I think they should have done is like, try to cut a promo, as soon as they can afterwards of them being like, ha ha, like we fooled you. There was no, you know what I mean? Like, like instantly maybe, or, or, or even had some type of like, if this is the first time they're doing this and, and, and if they didn't practice the explosion beforehand, which I can't imagine that they wouldn't have, um, that they should have had some type of backup plan in regards to, uh, figuring out like, Oh, if this botch is like, then we go to plan B and this is what the storyline is, you know? Well, they never had a plan B. You're you're totally right. You know, so they should have had a plan B in place for especially something uh, of this caliber type match. And I'm sure, uh, you know, Jared would agree with me that's that a company like WWE or even New Japan would 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 be smart enough to have some sort of backup plan in case they're like big spectacle. Uh, you know, didn't for uh, you know like didn't come to a fruition. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'll be honest with you. I don't know if WWE would even take a risk like this. You know, they did the Inferno matches and and and, and different things like this. Uh, so, but you even know, the Undertaker, even in the Undertaker documentary, uh, he says that they 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 went in the ring and they felt how hot it was, and they they went off the ropes to see like yeah. I mean, you're talking about the Undertaker and Kane, two WWE Hall of Famers, and two you know, greats that went in the ring um, and practiced that. I mean, these guys have never been in a match like this and the whole world was expecting, you know, a great match, exciting. I even admitted, I think on the, on the podcast right before the pay-per-view that we put out um, last week mm -hmm. that I was even getting a little bit excited and my, and I was, my, my feelings were changing, but of course you always go with your gut feeling. And I, I again, I was uh, on the money. I was on the money with another, poor AEW uh spot well matt let's uh let's lift jared spirits a little bit because i know i know he's he's itching to talk about wwe pretty soon but no. do you have any any other any other highlights from dynamite that you want to talk about <laughs> uh lights. lights i mean uh you know whatever you guys want i mean adam is there anything that you want to discuss i know i know there was a uh, match jackson phoenix match we had uh cody rhodes in action for a little bit i think yep go ahead another AEW dark match. What am I fucking watching? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he's doing. I don't what know. What am I watching? Then, let me ask you a question. So, 
I'm all for the Penta Cody match, right? Whatever it is. But I'm listening to him speak, and then I'm listening to the translator speak, then I'm listening to him speak, then I'm listening to the translator speak. What the fuck is going I on? That there? was a great segment, by the way. I thought Penta called, but, you know, uh, shut up. Either let either Penta speaks the English or the translator, you know, speaks for him. It's just it's <laughs> back and forth. He's speaking sometimes, then he's not speaking sometimes. And he dropped the I kid remark. He told him about he, you know, he told him about yeah. this baby kid. Like there was some yeah. there's some deep cuts there that I that I that I definitely enjoyed. Yeah, it was all right, but I just d- didn't like the fact that he's bouncing back and Wait forth. Wait a minute, Jared. WWE's had translators too with wrestlers' names. Yeah, but like forth. for example, like when. Like Umaga with Armando Alejandro Estrada. Armando um- Alejandro Estrada. But Adam, <laughs> Umaga didn't say a word. When The Undertaker had Paul Barrett, he didn't say a damn word most of the time. These guys don't say anything. When Kane had Paul Barrett, he didn't say anything. Yeah, Kali had that Indian translator with him. Right, so even, even like... Uh, in baseball, or, you know, in baseball, because they're the only ones who really, you know, have translators... Um. So even in baseball, like these guys, they don't try to like, you know, like if you ask them, like, oh, how was your day? The translator's still going to ask, you know, answer that. And, you know, it doesn't matter the the hardness or the, the level of the question that the translator always answers. And that's the way it should be. So can Penta speak English? Can he not speak English? You know, what's the deal? Here's my, here, here's my deal. If you've noticed with Cody, there's been a pattern from the beginning when they started in 2019. Which is every time he comes out to cut a promo or do an interview with Tony Schiavone, he doesn't even get a word in before he gets cut off and interrupted by a wrestler. There's like he actually like that's just the thing. You know when he's hitting the ring that right away something's going to happen. It's so predictable booking, and he just kind of you know stands there and takes it, or in this case you know gets agitated and runs out. But it's so in the same way that I've heard people critique Omega for his uh, you know his behavior and mannerisms as kind of being over the top and melodramatic I think Cody in his own way has that melodrama we saw it in the face of the revolution match where you know he's a, he's got 20 people around him as he steps out of the ring and you know might might be out for medical reasons and then he comes back in like he it's just it's you know I was really into this whole dynamic from the beginning when he had the match against his brother and did the whole throne breaker gimmick I thought that was cool I remember Matt had the shirt we were like all hyped up and then it's kind of gone downhill with cody from there yeah i feel like he's trying to emulate like his idols and rick flair and different people like that that they just like you know guys like rick flair work to put people over you know not necessarily only to be like one of the best champions ever but he's he like a lot of these legends from back in the day from his dad's era uh got credit for being able to sell and put guys over uh, a lot. So I feel like maybe he just feels like he has a responsibility or something to, you know, either try to put guys over or to be the guy who's like, all right, you know, let's throw him in, in a match on dynamite and I'll be the sole person to say whether or not this guy could hang on the main card or not, you know? So it, it could be a mixture of, of, of ego. It could be a mixture of, of, uh, wanting to, uh, be that person who puts wrestlers over. I just don't, I just don't know. But there is one thing we definitely have to talk about, guys, and that is the last segment of the night with uh, the inner circle, right? Oh, yeah. So this was something that we all kind of thought was going to happen. We weren't too sure how it was going to happen. A lot of us did say at some point, you know, MJF is going to weasel his way into becoming the leader of the inner circle. And what we found out here was uh, pretty much – that was happening, but 
uh, you know, there was some double crossing going on. So we cut into a segment where, you know, the inner circles in the ring uh, doing their thing. Sammy Guevara comes out and kind of, you know, is the surprise. We don't know whether he's, you know, we don't know what side he's on. Uh, we don't really know what's going on. And then all of a sudden they, uh, he mentions that MJF, uh, you know, he mentions that they recorded pretty much a meeting, right. That, uh, they were having without, uh, Sammy Guevara there. Right. And I definitely didn't see, I definitely didn't see, um, definitely didn't see this one coming, either him coming out or, yeah. you know, it's about to tell us. Yeah, yeah. So it it was kind of like they were all, you know, MJF thought that he had the inner circle in the palm of his hands uh, in regards. So and yeah, in regards to being like, you know, we're going to make our move on Jericho tonight. Uh, and, and you know, that was going to be the plan. Uh, then Sammy Guevara had showed that video while MJF and, and the inner circle are in the ring. So obviously, uh, you know, you see the inner circle kind of then turn against MJF because, you know, of their loyalty, I guess, to Chris Jericho and things like that. So um, what was happening was, uh, you know, they were kind of just beating the shit out of him and, and things like that. They were, you know, they were threatening to do this. And then all of a sudden the lights go out because MJF pretty much says he's got his own uh, crew, right? When uh, he was up in the corner yeah. of the ring. Yeah. The Tully crew. Yep, the Tully crew, right? So he says that he's got, uh, you know, the lights go out. And as the lights come back on, you see Sean Spears, FTR, Wardlow, Tully Bl- and uh, Tully Blanchard surrounding the inner circle as kind of like MJF's own crew now. And he kind of watched as his new crew just like beat the shit out of, uh, you know, Guevara, Ortiz, Hager, uh, Santana. Awesome. Him, sitting, him sitting on top of the turnbuckle while... Like Matt yep. said, while he, they uh, they attacked the inner circle, was awesome. And here's my question to you guys: Does this mean Guevara is back in the inner circle? Obviously, because uh, MJF's out. Yes, I think so. They were like kind of like when when Guevara showed that video, it kind of showed the loyalty to Jericho, and I think Jericho and him were kind of like embracing in the ring during that time. So I do take it as if they're uh, back together. You know what kind of you know what kind of sucks, and I wasn't big on Guevara coming into AW, and I could admit when I'm wrong. Um, but I do like him and I think he's got potential, but his potential is not there without Jericho. In my opinion, it's just, and it it was before the inner circle. That's the whole thing. But I just feel like he loses his luster when he's not with the inner circle or Jericho. I'm going to, so I'm going to, I'm going to counter that a little bit and you're going to be surprised to hear me say this, but the, the times that he's been on dark, this is going back a while ago, but they've had him cut promos on dark where I was like, wow, his mic work is awesome. He's actually very serious when he cuts a promo. He, kind of taps into that whole indie scene. And, and as Matt talked about with the pick of the week last week, you know, coming up and, and, and traveling up and down the roads and, and dealing with the struggles that he's dealt with to make it this far, he infuses that into his promo work. When, when The times I've seen him on Dark, I would love to see him do more of that here. And that's why I think actually to kind of counter your point, Jared, I think he'd be great as a single alone away from this faction because I want to see them build him up. So can I can I counter your – your can I yeah. – I'll counter your argument a little bit there. Um, 
And I'm not denying that he he could be. I just think the inner circle kind of slowed him down a little bit. Also, why am I watching him on Dark and I'm watching a uh, Cody Rhodes wrestle guys I never even heard of every week? I, right. This is this is exactly what I'm talking about. Where they have no clue what they're doing, and that's why I do call it a clown show. Yeah, I mean it's 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 definitely all over the place, but. Hopefully, uh, you know, with the, with the storylines that they have here with the inner circle they, and MJF, booked, like they listen, I will say they booked this storyline is one of the few that they got right. Yeah, exactly. None of us expect yes. none of us expected the double 100%. cross. We didn't expect the double cross. Jericho sold it well. His kind of pukey, uh, you know, uh, you know, crybaby face that he makes when he's gushing blood. Like he he really sold that well. As you said, Jared, MJF sitting on the top turnbuckle, just kind of taking it all in. Um, and I have to say as well, when the lights went out, I just naturally expected another new wrestler that I'm like, here's who's another has been yeah. WWE wrestler, but, but they went with, Kurt Angle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they went with, they went with like, like you said, Tully's crew and, you know, Sean Spears has a different look and I was like, wow, okay, they're, they're going to finally use this guy cause he's been off TV for a while. So, you know, we'll see where it goes. He's, he's another guy who kind of like had the same fate in WWE that he's had in uh, AEW. Ty Dillinger, right? Yeah, that was that might be even worse than what this is, but uh um yeah, Adam's 100% right. They totally fooled us. And just to add on this real quick, when MJF said it's time to get rid of a, you know, a member maybe. I was thinking like who are they going to get rid of? Uh Hager. So that's how that's how off I was and how completely fooled I was, which I think for marks of Adam, Matt, and myself who have just the experience of wrestling and been around it for so long and watching it for so long that the times were fooled between the internet and what we know as fans are few and far between. And for me personally, I was so far off what I was blinded by this that um, they did a really good job with at the ending there, which saved a horrible show. We'll, we'll have yeah. to tune in next. We'll have to tune in next week to see where this goes because I'm sure that MJF is going to come in and cut a promo. And what I want to hear is the name of their new faction. So we'll have to take predictions on that. Maybe the totally outer true. circle. Maybe the outer yeah. circle. <laughs> so let's. Uh, you know, I'm going to cut out of AEW right now. I do want to touch upon a few things before I get into, uh, before we jump into WWE real quick because there is some stuff going on. Uh, you know, recently uh, we did talk about right before the show uh, that Impact had a pay per view last night. What was it called? Um, it was called Sacrifice. Sacrifice, right? So the only thing that I think that was relevant that came out of it that we discussed was that Finn Juice did take the tag titles away from the Good Brothers, uh, which speculates that you know now you're going to have cross. Um, promotions taking each other's belts and things like that. So I think that that that's a pretty cool, uh, you know, uh, thing happening here in regards to New Japan guys being able to take now an Impact tag belts, uh, possibly back over to Japan and showcase those over there. Uh, so I feel like uh, you know that's that's a pretty cool thing. Hope hopefully AEW and and New Japan, uh, you know, do this as well. So I think that'll open up doors for better storylines and, and and new things to see. Um, it does add more belts also for Ring of Honor. I mean, for uh, AEW to uh, add, you know, if they want to have a six-man tag go over there, junior heavyweight. They definitely should. Like that. So I think, uh, you know, hopefully it opens up the doors for more stuff. Uh, I do want to quickly uh, just jump upon 
in uh, New Japan right now. Uh, they are having. Uh, they're going to start setting up a tournament for the challenger for the uh, for the U.S. title, which is held by John Moxley. So they're going to be doing that. Um, are we actually going to have somebody, people that we know in the tournament this time, or I, ho- I hope so. I hope so. So uh, we'll we'll find out pretty soon. I think in regards because to the I think we all knew out. we all knew Moxley wasn't dropping to Kenta. So yeah, so because I didn't know who Kenta was uh, three weeks ago. So <laughs> um, we also have uh, Tamatanga taking shots at FTR uh, uh, and and Tully Blanchard regarding Tully Blanchard re- actually wrestling in a match a few weeks ago on uh, Dynamite. Uh, so there is some beef going on. I hopefully they bring Tamatanga and Tangaloa, the Gorillas of Destiny, over to AEW to to start uh, showing everybody what the real tag teams are about, what the real Bullet Club's about. I hope I hope they get this storyline going. I think it's going to be absolute golden if they could get like an OG Bullet Club versus like you know this 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 version of whatever's going on. In, but, uh, let's America. not forget, Matt, that. Uh, Tama Tong has also been in contact with Triple H and Vinnie Mac. Oof, so, yeah, man. Uh, that would also be pretty awesome. Not, also, you know, yeah. him coming in and feuding, maybe feuding or joining Roman and Uso, you know what I mean? It's, I, I, could see, I could see both uh, angles, AEW and WWE's angle, both being uh, interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Because I don't think Tama Tonga would ever work under Roman Reigns. I think it would be, uh, you know. Because he is the big yeah. dog. Yeah, exactly. So now, are they um, are they from, are they from the same Samoan family, or are they from like the family that uh, Samoa Joe is so from? Tamatanga and Tangaloa they were adopted by uh, Haku. Exactly. Oh wow. Yeah. So uh, Haku uh, adopted these 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 guys as uh, his his you know his kids. So it's kind of all tied in um, somewhat. Maybe not exactly blood related. But the yeah deep roots deep roots. yeah d- different different families but kind of similar dynamics yeah exactly same yeah same like a hierarchy of of like wrestling ancestry you know um so that's uh, I mean like New Japan you know obviously guys you need to be checking it out uh you know there's a lot of stuff going on uh in regards to this cross promotions going on right now so if you don't want to be left in the dust into regards like a if, if a person makes an appearance or a wrestler makes an appearance and you know who they are maybe start watching some new japan so you can be a little more knowledgeable and not sound like a absolute asshole when the person comes out and goes i don't know who it is so you guys actually start watching some uh good 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 in-ring wrestling and uh i just want to say also ring of honor has a pay-per-view coming up uh it's the 19th anniversary uh pay-per-view uh, it's March 26th at 8 p.m. You can see it on Honor Club. Um, there may be some other uh, platforms that you can watch it on as well. You're going to have Jay Lethal versus Roosh for the uh, championship match. Um, you have Jay Briscoe versus EC3. Uh, this is a grudge match. They've been putting on some really, really good matches, a really good storyline going on there. Uh, you have the television title match, which is Dragon Lee versus Tracy Williams, uh, Dragon Lee being a, a, an amazing uh, New Japan wrestler who had recently signed with Ring- Dragon Lee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, Jared, <laughs> just gave you, Jared, Jared just gave you his version of the Stone Cold What. Yeah, well, <laughs> Jared, Jared saw Dragon Lee live uh, in a Madison Square Garden. I was, he may have been sleeping. Uh, uh, quick, quick side story. I definitely wasn't sleeping at that point. I was uh, 
too uncomfortable to sleep. As Matt knows, I was struggling for uh, leg room the entire uh, <laughs> entire show. And also, I was on the heavy side then, but man, Madison Square Garden, those seats are friggin' tight. <laughs> Matt, I got I, I got to say, shout out to ROH for holding the fourth down and really not just not just hanging on, but actually being really successful. Um, considering that they're sort of an outside promotion and don't get as much coverage in the you know in the mainstream. Yeah. And some of the wrestlers you just talked about, I mean, I love Lethal in, in, in TNA. He's good. Um, He's real good. EC3 cut some great promos, in my opinion. I like I I I'm really high on some of these guys. Yeah, I mean, uh it's definitely great wrestling. You could watch uh Ring of Honor uh wrestling uh for free. Their television show is on the Fight uh app F I T E. You could download that app. They upload their uh weekly TV show on there if you have the stadium channel. Uh, I know YouTube TV that I stream from has has this channel, and they and they show all of Ring of Honor's uh, television shows as well. And then uh, you know you could also get the pay per views on on the Fight app as well uh, if you are interested in seeing what's going on in Ring of Honor because uh, there's some really 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 good stuff going on there too. But to close us out for the week, we are going to jump back on the train to WrestleMania. So. Uh, we only have a few weeks left in regards to, uh, you know, the culmination of this two night extravaganza that we are going to have. Um, I hope that I, 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 I'll, I will be able to watch. What is it? April 6th, right? Yeah. Yeah. So my, uh, my, uh, second born child will be like around 10 days old at that point. So I'm sure I'll be on no sleep and Matt, it's April 10th it. and April 11th. April so a little 10th. bit later this year. Okay. Yeah. So. So, so he'll be uh, older, Matt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he'll be able to take care of himself by uh, yeah. two weeks old, so I could watch wrestling. So, yeah. uh, that, that 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 the dog could go get his staples removed himself from his ACL surgery, and and Sarah could then uh, also you know go to the doctor herself and 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 see whatever yes. C-section yes. scar shit is going on. So accessoride, accessoride, accessoride. Oh boy. <laughs> All right, well, Jared, let's uh, bring us into some Raw and SmackDown talk. We have uh, the road to WrestleMania. So the road to WrestleMania, um, we have a new WWE champion, and Raw started with uh, the Hurt Business walking in, MVP, Lashley, Cedric Alexander, and um, Shelton Benjamin, uh, all everyone except MVP, you know, wearing gold. They're the tag team champions, and Lashley is the new WWE champion. So uh, Bobby smiling ear to ear. MVP and Lashley stop for an interview, and Lashley says he's a happy man. Talks about all the trials and tribulations he's been through. You know, sixteen years he waited, um, saw opportunities pass him by, given to other people who didn't deserve it as much, and he says he's going to make an example of Miz in the rematch. And no one's taking the title from him, and he wants to send a message to everybody in the locker room. And the almighty WWE champ is uh, is walking into media, and the almighty era has begun. Um, I thought this was one of Lashley's better promos, as he's not very good at cutting them, which is why MVP is crucial for him. So I guess as WWE champion, he's going to have to talk a little more since he is, you know, one of the two uh, guys leading the company. Mm. So uh, right after this segment, it you know, Miz is in the ring. Uh, ready to go in the match. And he talks about how he lost the title. He's empty-handed. And he knew Lashley was going to kick his ass. And he just didn't expect to lose the title because he got himself counted out. And 
that was he tricked everybody and said he played to his advantages and he was upset that no one believed he wasn't feeling well after everything he's done for WWE, you know, never taking time off, never really injured, all the media appearances, fan signings, whatever they ask him to do, and nobody took his word for it. And he basically says to all the bloggers out there, you know, who are celebrating Lashley, that there's going to be a trending hashtag tonight, and it's going to be end new. And he finishes the uh, uh-huh. – the he finishes the uh, – before match promo saying, I'm the Miz and I'm awesome. Miz, one of the best in the business, cuts a great promo every single time and then proceeded to get his ass kicked by Lashley. And Lashley wound up retaining the title. But during the match, uh, they show McIntyre watching Lashley and Miz in the back. And they keep saying he's the presumptive challenger to, to Lashley for the title. And... The reason he is going to be the presumptive challenger is because Lashley attacked him right after the uh, Elimination Chamber, which allowed Miz to cash in the money in the bank and win the title, and McIntyre and uh, Lashley to easily beat Miz for the title. And McIntyre references that, you know, stating that, kind of stating that Lashley took the easy way out, and McIntyre's claims that he had to, you know, beat Lesnar in order to win the title. So he wants Lashley to be a man and uh, face him at WrestleMania. So right after he finishes that uh, segment in the back after the match, he gets attacked by Sheamus yet again. And a little tired of that, like Matt said last week. Um, It isn't believable Sheamus is going to beat McIntyre in a big spot. And McIntyre's, you know, ascending while uh, Sheamus' career is descending and... That's pretty much where I stand with that. And I expect this storyline to maybe finish up at Fastlane and a week from today. And, and you know, hopefully McIntyre can move on to the main event at WrestleMania versus Bobby Lashley. As we've discussed before, these are the kinds of matches, I think Matt alluded to this, that should really be on a pay-per-view as opposed to the Raw show. Because, you know, they've had two really long matches on the program, and obviously right. this one ended in a double knockout. And I'm, but I'm very critical of that with AEW, so I have to agree with you. But but for what they are, just for me as a purist, and you know, we've talked about how we each have different styles, or, or there are different forms of wrestling that we love the most. I actually, I really enjoy the work that they've done together in these two matches. I just think it would have been better on a main, on a, on a bigger show. I agree with you. And the in-ring was very good the last, you know, the last few matches, like you said. So, and it not, not really uh, expected from the two of them to have great in-ring work. So, you know, definitely a surprise there, but should have been on a pay-per-view. Yeah, and it also Let sets up the pay per views for failure. Ultimate also because it's like right. if you don't if you don't have a, anywhere near as good of a match like that, then it's kind of just like and why are we why are we buying this pay per view? Why, right. why are we buying tickets? And that's to partly it? that's partly AEW's problem. They give you you know such long you know pay per view yeah. style matches that you know mm-hmm. WWE is usually good with that. WWE is usually good with that. I have to say, where they they, got, they do yeah. give you the good match on the pay per view. I got I got to put Lashley over one more time. You guys have heard me say it repeatedly. He's in phenomenal shape for his age. What is he? Forty four, going on forty five, or, or maybe he's already forty five. You know, Army veteran guy was a world class amateur wrestling athlete. Just he's just phenomenal. Um, and I'm I'm happy that he's even if it's short lived. I'm happy that he's getting his due now. I don't know how short lived it's going to be, Adam. I think he could have a decent run. I hope so. 
I don't see them putting McIntyre over again. I think they they're looking for a little bit of a change. Yeah, I think so. Not that McIntyre was a bad champion. He was a great champion, but I just think they it's time for a change. We've also commented too on um MVP being, you know, a great supporting castmate right there, just you know, walking down with the cane and he's he's just he's just a great manager for the hurt business and I was always high on him when he came in. I love this entrance. I love he's got he also has an incredible story for those of you that are oh, interested. Yeah. This, this might be a pick of the week segment one yeah. of these days down the road. I mean, he was someone that was incarcerated for many years and, and turned his life around. It's just incredible. Um, you can you can catch his TED talk or watch. Um, there's a, a Viceland documentary uh, about about uh, wrestling that, that kind of features his story too. And Adam, I just wanted to touch on this really, really quickly, and I did very, very little research on it, and I maybe watched one YouTube video on it, and I know you could probably touch on it a little better, but. Uh, MVP and Lashley have some history prior to this. Hmm. In, in, to, uh, in TNA. Oh, yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah. When Lashley, cause Lashley became TNA champion. Right. right. So, you know, that's twice now he's, but he's held a, a heavyweight title under Lashley, under MVP's, uh, you know, guidance or, you know, wh- whatever you call it. It almost makes me feel like, because, you know, MVP's run in WWE as, a, as an in-ring performer, relatively short-lived and you know they gave him the u.s title but by the end i mean i remember he was doing angles with matt hardy where they were having like pizza eating contests on on smackdown it was like going nowhere like i think another another guy that they sort of buried um he also had very public views about the chris benoit situation which i think kind of put him out of the good graces of uh of the company at one point so it's kind of it's kind of come full circle and and he's now back in in good graces and, and doing Awesome work as, awesome as a manager. Work. For Absolutely awesome. Yeah, I definitely agree. So, um, did you guys see the R Truth Bronze uh, Strowman segment? I yeah. am not too sure. Wait, I, I, yeah, I saw the Adam, Strowman McMahon segment. Yeah, I'll, I'll touch. I'll touch on that in a second, uh, Matt. Adam, tell me that wasn't like hysterical. I mean, another guy that like very silently people forget how. I mean, R Truth is just hysterical and. Um, it's amazing that he's he's kind of hung on with WWE for all these years. Vince loves him. The twenty four seven title kind of like brought him back into the spotlight. Yeah. And, and and Vince McMahon absolutely loves our truth. I don't know if you know their background, but like Vince Vince McMahon wants to keep our truth very close to him. They're 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 they're, they're very good friends. He's uh he's funny, our truth, and I and I like it. The segment was so funny and. He's referring <laughs> he's referring to Bad Bunny as like Bugs Bunny turned bad and that Braun Strowman's part of the Monstars and he needs his own monster among men. It was just Matt, I'll send you the YouTube video later. It was it was really funny. I just wanted to uh you know spend a couple seconds on it. So but uh I, I definitely I will I will say that they're doing better stuff with him now than what I remember because there was a time where they had our truth come out dressed up as a Confederate soldier. Yeah. Um, you know, he would come out and do his, you know, his rapping in the ring that for me kind of, it just didn't do it for me. But then again, he does have a wrestling history as well. Not only in WWE, but he's been, he was in TNA as you know, his, full, his actual name, Ron Killings. So he's, he's, he's got a long history. Right. So, uh, Strowman goes on to the ring after this, and he's obviously got this feud with uh, Shane O'Mac going on. Horrible. And sh- yeah, uh, Shane's obviously play- Shane used to be like good on the mic, but the uh, but like I said, Matt, at least he's not in the uh, Andre Memorial Battle Royal. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, he's trending he's just trending upwards and uh but, the, but, you know, but but still he was headlining WWE he was headlining WrestleMania last year. Yeah, and it's just unfortunate. But you know how things go, you know, one year you know you're headlining, next year you're just, you know, in a match with the the boss's son. So uh <laughs> Um, like I said, at least he has a match and a storyline to himself. Uh, like I've said in previous pods that I'm so grateful and happy that he even won a, a title in WWE at this point. Cause I know me and Matt for a long time, yeah. uh, never thought he'd even win a title. So yeah, just keep the fact buried. that he did. And the fact that he's not in the Andre, uh, giant Memorial battle Royal again is, uh, music to my ears. <laughs> and there, there could be worse opponents than Shane. Uh, but Shane has been a little, uh, off i think his his it's his rust that he hasn't been around in a while and it's just i didn't like how he you know ran both, to the back both segments then, sucked. yeah um and he's just he's just trying to call braun stupid in all of this at the end um yeah it's almost like him coming out him coming out and just saying i apologize and then walking away is kind of shades of what AEW is doing right now <laughs> you get you get a build up for something that you're expecting <laughs> yeah. to happen and then a guy comes out says one thing and then leaves but as a wrestling fan you have to know nothing's going to happen for a while with this yeah he's just he's going to he's going to get braun mad 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 he's going to poke the bear poke the bear and then Braun's going to explode and, you know, it's going to be some kind of crazy match where Braun gets fired or something if he loses or Shane disappears again, whatever it is. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to hold too much time on this because we got some other stuff to talk about, but uh, I did think it was kind of funny when uh, Shane, we thought Shane got away in the SUV and Braun kept on going and then he popped out from behind somewhere and he uh, did prove that Braun could be stupid, so... I do hope Braun kicks his fucking ass at WrestleMania. And I do want to see a Shane, uh, you know, turnbuckle to turnbuckle flying, uh, flying kick or whatever he does. The elbow. Yeah, the elbow. So uh, moving on from that, we, uh, we had the main event here, uh, Orton and Styles. Now, this match... Alone, without any interference from Bray or Bliss, is two of the best of all time going at it. Anyway, so the match itself I thought was 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 pretty good for a Raw. Um, I as far as Styles goes, I love him and Amos. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but I couldn't tell you the last time Styles lost on a on a Raw. Yeah, he's doing pretty good right now. Yeah, so I. Uh, I could see him being elevated very, very soon, you know, after Mania or whatever. Um, so let's, so the, you know, the match went back and forth, and Orton was setting up for the RKO at the end. Um, you know, he's banging on the ring with his fists, and almost pulls Styles out of the ring, and all of a sudden, uh, Alexa Bliss shows up on the screen. She's laughing, sitting on the floor, uh, I guess of the of the uh, of the Firefly Flunhouse, and she is playing with that jack-in-the-box it, it is it is a bit creepy and she's it goes round and around and it doesn't pop up and she goes not yet so she's obviously talking to the fiend who's in that little stupid fucking box um yeah. so orton starts spitting up the black blood again and styles hits him with a phenomenal forearm he wins the match and raw basically ends with um with bliss just laughing on the uh t- on the titantron so this is obviously we're getting very, very close to the fiend making his big return from being uh, burned by Orton. And 
I'm gonna I'm gonna make a little prediction here for you guys. I think somehow Orton and the Fiend are gonna come together. Uh, at, you know, in this. So they're gonna unite. You think that they're gonna they're gonna or or how do you see it playing out? Yeah, uh, I think somehow Orton's gonna be like somehow he's gonna turn into like what Bliss turned into almost. He's gonna get possessed and join and join the ranks of the Fiend. Yeah, I, I I definitely could see it going that way. And if they don't, I have to I have to say this, and you can correct me if if you think I'm wrong here, Jared. But for Orton's credibility, I think that having him vomit black goo time and time again, and without unless it culminates in in in, in let's say the fiend makes an appearance at at Fastlane or when or when when they do have their match, or hopefully if there is a match at Mania, or where, however this shakes out, I think Orton's got to get his comeuppance at some point because week after week he's been taking the abuse, and normally you would see the guy who's the the face in the storyline at least get something in on their end before yeah, it he, culminates in the match. But he also got how many weeks in a row did he torture Bliss? He set the fiend on fire and. So now it's a little bit of payback, right? So going back and but, forth. But you are you are right. It will turn again for Orton, then it might turn back again. You know, so there's still a, a few weeks left, and a lot of things could happen between you know the few. Do, do, do you think that the appearance happens at Fastlane so that you get the the Mania buildup, or will it be on a Raw? Here's my thing: Who's he going to fight at at uh, Fastlane? AJ Styles. No, I just meant that will the fiend make an appearance? Will he finally well, come out? Well, here's my thing. So Orton's got to make an appearance in order for the fiend to make an appearance, correct? Right. So my question is, who is Orton going to fight? Or make it, a, you know, what? what? He might just, cut an, might just cut another promo. Might yeah, he, he could. He could. And how many, let me see, how many weeks is Fastlane from, uh, well, we got it next week. It's next Sunday, yeah, and so then next- after that, you got after that, you only have three. You have three weeks. So they, to Mania, they've got an extra week I'm, built in because I'm they, gonna, you know, I'm going to say no, Adam, just because there's three Raws from Fastlane to Mania. So I'm going to say they're going to keep you on your heels to at least the second to last one before Mania, and maybe even the Take Home Show. So I'm going to say it's either the Take Home Show he makes an appearance. Or or the second to last show, maybe. I'm going to lean toward the second to last show just so they can make the match. You know what I mean? As an aside, I've got to give The Fiend his due here. I mean, the way that, that Bray Wyatt as a character has reinvented himself time and time again. You know, I think it was early this week or maybe it was last week. I sent you guys one of my favorite promos back when he was just Bray Wyatt with the Wyatt family when he was feuding with Jericho. And to think, my God, what Jericho looked like six, seven years ago is a completely different guy. But they have this face-off prior to SummerSlam in 2014. And Bray cut what I thought was, at the time, one of his best promos. And it's only gotten better since then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Bray Wyatt's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's the man. Yeah, uh, this Fiend character has been the best thing in wrestling for a very long time at this point. And I think they've done... You know, I'm not gonna say they've been perfect, but they've done very, very, very well with him, and it's very hard to mess it up. And um, I think the Alexa Bliss wrinkle has been nothing but a grand slam and absolutely perfect. Yeah, I definitely. It's crazy to think too. So, so, so get this for you, marks out there that might not remember. Before he was Bray Wyatt, he was Husky Harris in NXT. Yeah, uh, with, with the well, with, well, actually from NXT as part of the Nexus back like ten you know or eleven years funny? ago. 
his his real life brother uh, Bo Dallas was actually bigger in NXT than he was. Right. <laughs> and now look. Yeah. So uh, moving on from Raw, I uh, I thought this SmackDown was actually the best SmackDown we've seen in a little bit, and uh, Edge started the show, which is awesome. You know, on this day, kicking off SmackDown, nothing better. Then he cuts, I'll tell you, he cut one of the best promos and he is one of the, I don't have to tell you guys, you know, he's a hall of famer, well accomplished. You guys, I know are big edge fans. Um, He still has it. He still is great on the mic. He cut one of the best promos I've seen in a long time. And he talked about uh, how Roman got sucked in by Daniel Bryan and how Daniel Bryan wiggled his way into a championship match um, at Fastlane. And he Edge says he likes Daniel Bryan, doesn't like how he went about this, and Daniel Bryan's not better than him. Daniel Bryan interrupts, and he basically says he's going to fight uh, for uh, to be in the main event at WrestleMania uh, on his probably his final WrestleMania as a full time wrestler. So you're you know I bet you basically got it there that the end is near for Daniel Bryan, even though we knew that. So uh, this sets up uh, later in the night. I'll talk about that in a few. But uh, so after this, uh, Heyman stops Jay Uso from going into Roman's locker room. And he says, if you talk to Roman, he's, you know, it's Friday. He's got a lot of things going on. And, you know, he's not too happy about what happened last week with uh, Uso being tapped out by uh, Daniel Bryan. So, yeah. So Uso says he's got some stuff to do around the arena that Roman wanted him to do and that he'll circle a uh, circle back later to Steve Roman. So to me, they're starting to put the writing on the wall. Is And I'm going to go into something uh, real quick right now that happened later in the night just because it has something to do with this. So there was another backstage segment where Uso was walking and Edge stopped him. And Edge talked about uh, remembering Jay and Jimmy Uso when he was wrestling and they were kids. They are Rikishi's son. He remembers when he used to bring them into the ring and Edge used to play with them and wrestle with them in the ring. And um, he says the Usos are part of the reason that he returned. They're an inspiration to him. And he asked him what he's doing, why he's the little dog to Roman's big dog, and why he's Roman's bitch. And he asked how his dad Rikishi feels about all this. And Uso said he's gonna that Edge is going to fall in line and that he should enjoy his family because Roman's going to kick his ass at WrestleMania. So, you know, between that segment, Edge trying to, you know, get in Uso's head and Heyman, like denying access to Roman's locker room. um, I think we could see that maybe Uso might uh, have a big, 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 big part to play in this WrestleMania match. So there's also more on him later. So uh, I just wanted to touch real quickly before we get into uh, the la- the ending of SmackDown. Uh, I'm very upset the way- what they're doing with Seth Rollins. Um, talking about one of the best wrestlers in the world, um, and they're just wasting him on this Messiah talent. Yeah, it's I like they were, this is like gimmick is not over yet. Oh my god! Which oh, I thought no. they were going to move on from when you know he took his his little uh, paternity leave. You know, <laughs> so. It's just so stupid. They really have such a talent there with Rollins that we all know. He's one of the best, best in, in the world. In ring, on the mic, uh, he's a great champion when he holds a title. When he doesn't hold a title, he could you know, have a match that doesn't need a belt or a stipulation. So, I don't know. This stupid fucking Messiah shit has gone on way too long. 
and I think it's time for him to move on. Um, you know what's interesting, though? Just just to throw a wrench into all this, it would have been fascinating if they used this Messiah character earlier in his in his WWE career before he's already been established because he could, that would have made for like a great opening as a heel. You know, he would have gotten heat right away, right. but because we know how great he is, it's it's already late. Like they, I think that the I I'm I'm interested in these types of characters, I, and I just think the timing is wrong. I uh, I agree with you, and I just think it's gone on way too long. Um, like me, like like Matt said, also, um, it's they're just wasting one of the best talents, in my opinion, but. Yeah, it is what it is, I guess. And like we said before, you know, one year you could be main eventing WrestleMania and the next year you could be, uh, you know, in a match with someone we never expected. So uh, so ending ending SmackDown was a contract signing for Fastlane, Roman and Daniel Bryan. So Roman does his usual fucking antics where he he there are two chairs in the ring on the long parts of the desk, you know, facing each other. Uh, Roman makes Pierce move one of the chairs to the head of the table. And of course he does move it like he, every week he's everyone's bitch. So uh, he tells Daniel Brown, you don't want to do this. And he's not signing the contract because he doesn't feel like it. Hmm. And then let me tell you something. So after he says this, Daniel Bryan cuts the best mic work he has ever done in WWE. In my opinion, definitely great. And, he says, who would have thought that Roman's, uh, you know, not a man of his words and that the head of the table is afraid to fight Daniel Bryan. Um, a lot of people say that he's better, that Daniel Bryan's better. Um, and he reminds Roman that he did something that uh, Roman couldn't do, that he made uh, Jey Uso quit. Mm. So Roman is fuming. And he Daniel Bryan then self-proclaims that he's the head of the table because he made Jey Uso quit, which was hysterical. And that when he has met Afa and Sika, they've been nothing but nice to him. And now he's the head of the island. So wow. he basically suckers Roman into signing that contract. And he said he's going to tap Roman like he did to Uso. And Jey Uso jumps in and he says this match needs a special enforcer and that man is him. Then all of a sudden, Edge music hits. Um, Edge challenges Jey Uso next week. Uh, the winner of that match, which is Edge's first singles match in 11 years, mm-hmm. it becomes the special guest enforcer. So Edge and Daniel Bryan, they uh, team up, and they Daniel Bryan takes out Jey Uso. Edge is pummeling Roman in the corner, and then Daniel Bryan tries to come and help him, and Edge pushes Daniel Bryan out of the way, and then he continues to hit Roman, and then SmackDown ends with Daniel Bryan giving a running kick to uh, Edge to end SmackDown. And Daniel Bryan is in the ring with everybody uh, down and Roman looking on from, you know, outside of the ring. Yeah. And that's the way it ended. So it was a, gr- uh, it was a great, great, great ending to. Uh, to yeah, SmackDown. it was a gr- great ending to SmackDown. And this uh, little Daniel Bryan wrinkle is pretty cool now. So. Uh, We'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm glad to see him. Uh, like, like after that uh, elimination chamber win, that they're that they're sticking with the storyline right now, and it's it's actually working out. So, Me I would. I would. Lo- I definitely would have lost that bet in regards to that. It wasn't going to be the best move, but it seems like it was a nice. Uh, you know, palate cleanser in terms of what's going on. It gets Kevin right. Owens out of the uh, situation as well, so we don't want to have to see him anymore feuding with. Uh, 
you know, Roman Reigns right now, I guess. Absolutely. It's a little uh, wrinkle in there. And I think Adam also wanted to add something here. You know, I think this Daniel Bryan push a little bit, obviously, is, you know, because he's at the end and they want to do the right thing by him. But I also think Adam wanted to touch on maybe the new uh, head of talent. uh, Head of. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, it's, inter- it's, it's interesting kind of how this all comes around and, and is interconnected, as many things are within the world of WWE. So the new head of talent relations is actually the old head of talent relations, John Laurinaitis, Johnny Ace, for you uh, older wrestling fans out there. Um, but uh, he was you know, previously head of talent relations um, during a time that actually I stopped watching wrestling, in, in large part, I think, because of the, his booking. Um <laughs> a lot of people don't like him in in the industry and I mean you can I'm not going to go through the the litany of of problems but I'll just mention a couple in a moment but the, the connection to Daniel Bryan is that he is the stepfather of the Bella Twins because he married their mother um and so that effectively makes him the father-in-law to Daniel Bryan so is there a conspiracy yes. here or yes. did he come yes. yeah <laughs> um you know I mean you could look up like so as Johnny Ace, he had a run in All Japan uh, Pro Wrestling years ago. I mean, he was he was a tag wrestler. Didn't really make it well as a single, but for some reason, he's in the good graces, actually great graces, of Vince McMahon, and has been one of the quote unquote ass kissers uh, to the McMahon family. Um, <laughs> Adam, if- just to uh, just to uh, add quickly about the Laurinaitis family, talent talented family. Right, because he's the—I mean—he's the brother of Road Warrior Animal. Joe and his, his son was an NFL linebacker. Exactly. Yeah. So this is—I guess this is the—I guess you could say the dark sheep of the family, maybe, or it's the guy who didn't <laughs> make it as well. And um, he's got this like raspy voice that you—you know—which yeah. is low too. Um, it, Punk, before he left WWE, Punk in his famous—you uh, know—mic drop promo where he said he's a Heyman guy took a huge dump on Laurinaitis uh, back when he was head of talent relations in the first run. Um, my, my beef with all of this is this was also part of the time when they fired JR. I mean, they'd fired him twice as head of talent relations. And even though we've kind of been critical of him as, you know, in his later announcing days now with AEW, he is good old JR. He is a Hall of Famer, you know, from the flagship, one, one of the greatest, if not the greatest announcer of all time, and uh, was beloved by wrestlers when he was in that executive role. So why they fired him, I will never know. Uh, real quick, just on on Johnny, John Laurinaitis's, um, you know, horrendous examples of the, of the horrendous booking. Uh, interestingly enough, he signed the Bella Twins off a lingerie uh, model catalog. That's how he found them. <laughs> uh, so now it's kind of weird that he's their stepdad. Um, but if you you could look up the litany of problems, just just real briefly, uh, Zach Gowan, who had a brief run in I DNA, remember him. I remember him. The one-legged wrestler, uh, John Laurinaitis wanted him. Turns out, he tried booking the wrong one-legged wrestler. They got a completely different guy, ended up ultimately not signing him. Uh, we were talking about Orton a moment ago. One of Orton's greatest feuds, in my opinion, back in his legend killer days, 05, when he goes up against um, uh, Taker at Mania, uh, you know, Bob Cowboy Bob Orton at his side, uh, you know, turns out, uh, there was a potential risk that, of all things, Cowboy Bob Orton may have had hepatitis C from, you know, back in, I guess, the road days of, of wrestling. I have no idea how this happened. But apparently, Laurinaitis had, like, suppressed that information. Thankfully, turned out 
it didn't test positive, but you know, that could have affected Taker. So uh, those are just a couple examples. Um, but more recently, that 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 second run, you know, when he was that first run when he was head of talent relations back in like you know late two thousand, maybe two thousand ten, two thousand eleven, when I was watching, um, you know. They worked in a lot of angles where he was getting a lot of shit in the ring. Guys like Punk would just cut massive promos on him for just being a, a McMahon kiss ass and just kind of doing everything that the McMahon family wants uh, rather than being as an independent man. Uh, lastly, I will say, and this is, you know, for, for as, a, as a purist, one of the things that really upset me. I was a huge OVW guy. If you look at the guys that have come through that developmental system, I don't have to go through the litany of names, but I mean, just a few. You've got, I mean, Orton, Cena, Lesnar, Batista, Lashley, Shelton Benjamin. I mean, the list goes on and on. And as part of Laurinaitis's sort of reign as, as in that first run as head of talent relations, you know, they effectively shut down OVW, and then you know when they moved to Florida for FCW. Uh, lost a lot of crop wrestlers in that process. And OVW was something that existed prior to WWE. It was its own promotion. Um, they they really ran it to the ground when they had their partnership. And I'm happy to see that apparently now it's kind of made a sort of rebirth. Al Snow is, is the booker over there. So I'm, you know, I'm hoping that, that things go well for them in OVW. But those are just a couple examples. Um, I, I think last point I'll make on this from a talent perspective, because, you know, we were talking before we went on the air about the crop of talent that WWE has and how some guys are not working right now, like the Aleister Blacks of the world. I mean, there's, there's a, there's a number of guys that are just, that, that have been kind of on the sidelines. What this means now with Laurenitis coming in uh, for, for the talent pool. And, and, and maybe this is really a reflection of Vince just kind of going with a conservative choice uh, rather than, than, you know, shaking shaking things up and doing something wild so uh be curious to hear what you guys think but uh that's that's kind of my my two cents on johnny ace laurinitis yeah i mean i think you summed it all up for me man i i i'm not as uh um knowledgeable in regards to how this could possibly impact i know i know who he is um and hopefully uh this talent relations situation could could like you said bring bring guys like I, I love Alistair Black so you know hopefully it it, it, it could uh, help revamp uh, some some notable wrestlers you know like even um, Ricochet a guy that I'm very high on that I just don't think WWE knows has has any idea what to do with so um, you they know, just don't it, have the room for they don't have the room for him it's just like yeah. look, look what they're doing with Seth Rollins like they, yeah. They, they just don't have, like, even he's not, he's involved in a nothing storyline. He's just, they have nothing for Rollins there. That means they're not going to have nothing for Ricochet. And as far as Alistair Black goes, I think he's trying to force his way out. Good. Come to AEW. And he's married to uh, Zelina Vega. So I am still oh, yeah. wondering why AEW hasn't signed her yet and her no compete clause is complete. So. She's wondering what the hell they're waiting for. She's like making mad money off video game Twitch streaming. I yeah. Think. Yeah. So, you know, maybe she doesn't need to work. Who knows? And she's maybe not. She's a model in herself. So I'm sure I'm sure she'll be just fine. <laughs> um, I'm sure she will be. Yes. Uh, so, you know, with that being said, guys, I think we're going to close up shop here and we're going to get ready for another week of awesome wrestling. We have a pick of the week coming from Jared, I believe, on Wednesday. 
yep. possibly Thursday. Uh, so we will definitely be coming at you in the middle of the week with another questioning marks pick of the week. We hope you guys have been enjoying them. We hope that you guys have been checking them out and uh, watching some of the picks that we have been showcasing. So uh, if you want to hit us up, Remember, our Twitter handle is at the question in 11, the Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N-I-N 11. And you can email us at the questioning marks at gmail.com. For Adam and Jared, I am Matt. Boys, sign it off, man. Uh, thank you guys uh, for another great week. And uh, enjoy your uh, road to WrestleMania this week because it's really getting good and really interesting with a lot of different storylines on two different shows, Monday and Friday. So we'll see you all during the week and then on next Sunday for another episode and maybe a fast lane preview. So uh, thanks again, guys, and we'll see you next week. See you next week, guys. Yes, guys. Question and marks out. Peace. <laughs>